Rusty Quill presents. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, guys. Big days are upon us here at Wobegon Industries, LLC. There's a lot going on over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash woe underscore begon. Our Q&A goal has just been met. Every month I'll be taking questions, and then I'll be doing a Q&A for $2 subscribers and higher. I'll be taking questions for this month's Q&A for the rest of the week if you want to get in on that. Episode 3 of the Director's Commentary has just dropped for $10 patrons. Remixing and remastering is well underway for the second soundtrack album for $5 patrons. And of course, all patrons get access to original episode instrumentals in the spinoff podcast, The Diary of Eliza Schultz. That's all at patreon.com slash underscore be gone. Thanks to my 10 newest patrons, Cassie Murphy, Pineapple, Johnny Bazookatone, Elliot K, Ray 96 Jay Maths, Lucia Dubra, Julia Bombach, Burt Burt, and Charlie Kinnanmouth. Enjoy the show. It's been a while since I've heard from Wobegon, and it's making me nervous. Hearing from Wobegon is a nightmare. It usually means I'm about to have to do something horrifically violent or am about to be thrown into a wood chipper. The wood chipper is hardly a metaphor. Not hearing from Wobegon is worse. They have made it clear time and time again that they want to use me for all I'm worth, so if they're not contacting me, then I'm probably doing what they want, without them having to ask, in which case I'm putting myself in the wood chipper all by myself. Mike Walters, self-starter. It made sense, though. I actually had been a self-starter recently. I was making legitimate headway into Tier 2, and I had actually moved an object through space and time all on my own. Our interests were aligned, and I was making progress towards those interests, so... Wobegon left me alone. I was the most focused and motivated that I had been since I moved to Old Brush Valley. When I first got here, I couldn't focus on Wobegon because I had to learn how things work and how to do my job. After that, I ran some errands for Wobegon, but they only benefited the game runners, never me. And of course, after that were the injuries. The only success was putting in the passwords at the boulders, and that also resulted in... injuries. Getting into Tier 2 and making two successful trips was the most I had accomplished since the old days. The ones where I took Cannonball hostage? Good times. 
Planning trips into Tier 2 wasn't easy, though. I got lucky on my second trip and found a building that had something I could use inside of it. Without working in Tier 2, it was difficult to figure out what went on in any given building, especially at night. I'm sure a lot of them are normal, boring buildings full of normal, boring activities. I got lucky on the second night that I found something interesting and useful. I actually made a third trip into Tier 2 that wasn't interesting or elucidating. I broke in with no problem, the code had changed again, which I knew about thanks to Edgar. The patrols were staggered at a more inopportune time than the previous excursion, so it was difficult to get anywhere without getting spotted. When I finally got up to a building, the doors had a different locking mechanism on them. Some of the buildings have locks that require a special badge to get in, which means that there's certainly something worth seeing in there, but I don't have a way to get in. I had to abandon that mission so that I wouldn't get caught. There it is, something that could have been a whole episode of a podcast if it had gone right, explained in a simple paragraph. This painless failure did not deter me, not when I had already endured so many painful failures before it. I wasn't mentally set back at all. I immediately began making plans to sneak in again. It was a Thursday night when I snuck in for the third time, so I waited for the following Monday to try again. Getting the new code on a Friday night wasn't an option. There's too much scrutiny at 116E on Friday nights. Monday was easier if I could bear to wait that long. I could keep doing this forever if I were just patient enough, methodically working my way through Tier 2, until I got my hands on what I was looking for. And I'm sure that nothing will ever get in the way of my perfectly crafted plans ever again. This is Wobegon. Breakfast on the morning of my fourth trip into Tier 2 was more dour than usual. Hunter wasn't there. He hadn't fully left us for Tier 2 yet, but he was prone to disappearing for days at a time by this point and wouldn't be allowed to tell us anything about what he was doing. Whatever his Tier 2 training was, it was lengthy, regimented, and classified. Though that might also be related to Hunter's unique relationship to two of the people already in Tier 2. Breakfast often felt dreary on days that Hunter wasn't there. His good cheer and pleasant demeanor anchored our collective friendships and was central to our over-dining experience. The rest of us were just too prickly to stick together without him. That particular morning had an energy that couldn't be so easily explained by Hunter's absence. It was not the absence of cheer, it was the presence of hostility that defined the air that morning. Chance and Shadow were in an odd mood. They looked hungover, like they hadn't slept at all the night before and had wandered into the cafeteria in a headache-obscured haze. Their eyes were glassy. Neither of them were the type to actually be hungover on a workday. Both of them conducted themselves more professionally than I ever had, and, frankly, ever will. The source of this bad energy couldn't possibly be the result of some late-night partying. We chit-chatted about small things and work gossip over, frankly, inferior biscuits and gravy. But I couldn't shake the feeling that something was severely off with the two of them. I was in a good mood, excited about my next mission, but I was not able to infect them with my good vibes. 
They were treating me differently, not responding to my wit with wit of their own, and giving off the faintest hints that they were irritated with me, the least irritating person in the world. I started to suspect that the two of them had begun asking questions, like Marissa had, and that they were starting to uncover stuff about Old Brush Valley, or about the hunters, or about me and what I was doing. You can only stay out here so long before your pretty little head gets filled with ideas about conspiracies, and there are so many conspiracies out here that some of them are bound to be true. Finally, the negativity got so overt that I stood up from the table and told them, I can tell that something's up with you two. Whatever it is, I think we need to handle it in private. I exited the cafeteria and began to walk towards my cabin. Chance and Shadow followed silently. Their behavior had me fully spooked. Neither of them were the type to sneak around the valley uncovering mysteries, or if they were, they were so good at sneaking around that I never suspected them. In either case, it was unnerving to see them behave like this. They weren't my closest friends, but they were people that I felt comfortable eating breakfast with every morning. Seeing them pointedly on edge with me for reasons that they wouldn't tell me was jarring. It was a long, torturous walk back to my cabin, punctuated with extended bouts of silence. The chit-chatting at breakfast had been solely to make nice in public. There were much fewer people around, no one to put up appearances for. I don't suppose this is all for a surprise birthday party that you've planned for me, I quipped. When in doubt, quip it out. It's not your birthday, Chance snapped back, barely getting the words out from between his teeth. Yeah, but you don't know that, I grumbled. Silence. Look, I've already been knocked senseless in my cabin once in recent memory. I'd prefer not to go through it again. Is there anything I can do? I asked sheepishly. It's not like that, Shadow said. We'll explain when we're inside. We were all alone on the path. We walked in silence the rest of the way. I had no idea what to expect, so I began to suspect everything. I could be walking into a heated conversation or an assassination. They could be playing Wobegone. They could be aliens trying to understand this human emotion of... Love? What is love? Their demeanor didn't rule anything out. We got to my cabin, and I opened the door for them like a gentleman. As they passed across the threshold, I thought about slamming the door shut to buy me a couple seconds and making a run for it. It wouldn't have worked. Not only did they know where I lived, they were standing in my house. I would eventually have to come back here and face them. Instead, I entered my cabin, turned on the lights, and checked the usual hiding places for intruders. Sorry, I always check for people lying in wait for me these days, I explained. It's happened before, and I won't let it happen again. Yeah, we remember, Chance said. Everyone got a peek at your cabin when you ran off, and it was ransacked to hell. It still looks ransacked to me. Have you not cleaned up at all? I've cleaned some of it up, I said, trying not to blush. I've just gotten used to living like this since I moved back in, I guess. I would have cleaned up if I knew that I had guests coming over, obviously. Sit wherever you can find a spot, I said. Chance and Shadow remained standing up. I didn't take a seat either, standing near the door after having shut it. I launched right into what I wanted to say. I don't want to drag this out. What's going on with you two? What's your problem with me? I thought about my gun on the desk across the room from me. I wanted to get between them and the gun just in case I needed it, but there was no way. It was sitting out in the open, and if I walked over to it, they would know exactly what I was thinking. In fact, what was I thinking? That I was going to shoot Chance and Shadow? No! Not in any conceivable series of events was that going to happen. You're up to something out here, Chance said. I don't know what, but it needs to stop now before someone gets hurt. I imagined pretending that I wasn't up to something out here, that I was merely doing my security job for Old Brush Valley Energy and Resources. They would never believe me. Chance and Shadow knew far too much about how I used my time to believe that I was just doing my job out here, especially if they had already been tipped off. There was no path but the honest path. 
The semi-honest path. The liar's path with small truth deviations. It is much, much too late to stop before someone gets hurt, I'm afraid. I can show you the scars again if you want, I said. Well, now we're the ones getting hurt, Shadow said. I was perplexed. But who would hurt you? You don't know anything, I said. I know that we don't know anything, Chance said. But somebody who is after you doesn't. Three somebodies, to be exact. Not exactly friends of yours, by the sound of it. I inhaled sharply at this last detail. Three three people? Odd question, but did they hurt you with their minds? I asked. I'll take that as an admission, Chance said sternly. You need to sort your shit out. Whatever they want from you, they tried to get it from us. My stomach turned over. The Flinchites came for Chance and Shadow? How could they possibly be of use to them? I could feel my face turning red. First at the idea that my secrets were seemingly spilling all over the valley, and secondly that a shadowy organization was shaking down my friends, and it wasn't even the shadowy organization that I work for. Did they think that you knew something? Did they think you were working with me? I asked. Oh boy, did they, Shadow said. I should note here that as soon as the discussion of the Flinchites started, the conversations became heated and overlapping, and I can't really convey that with just my one voice. Just imagine confused people talking over each other, loudly and angrily, and you'll get the idea. We know you've been sneaking into Tier 2, Mike, Chance said. We know that you stole some device inside of Tier 2 and you've been using it to do God knows what. They didn't find it in your cabin, so they tore apart our cabins trying to find it last night. When they didn't find anything, they told us that they weren't done with us until they were done with you. Whatever it is you stole, you've put us all in danger of these freaks. They slammed me into the wall using only their minds. What we should be doing is reporting you to Over, but we decided that we don't want you to get tortured at some black site for the rest of your life. Just give them whatever the fuck it is you stole, Mike. I held off explaining to them that the Flinchites probably weren't actually psychic, and instead were doing something super cool and fun with computers. The details Chance gave me didn't make any sense. I have no idea what they mean by a device. What device? How would I even get into Tier 2? There's a big wall. With the big scary guards between me and there, I said, feigning indignance. Oh, bullshit, Mike, Shadow said. We know you dug under the fence. Marissa didn't rat you out to over, but she did show us the button that she found buried on her route that night. You went missing, and your cabin was trashed the morning after she found it. Me and Chance put together what happened. We're not stupid. Marissa interrogated us about you, too. Everyone thinks we're in cahoots, Mike. Whatever you're doing has consequences for us by association. What are you doing out there? You owe us an explanation, Chance grumbled in agreement. I relented. They weren't wrong about being owed an explanation. Fine, fine, I'll tell you. I dug under the fence on Marissa's route and snuck into a tier 2 area. I didn't find anything. The button went off, I buried it, I ran home, and I got roughed up by the guys that you got roughed up by. There is no device. I have no idea what they're talking about. I was trying to figure out what the boulders on Marissa's route were for. They said that you and an accomplice stole a device from tier 2 that night and used it to gain unauthorized access to the area, Chance said. When we didn't have anything to give them, they stopped telling the story of your night of crime and started on the psychic beatdown. Chance absentmindedly touched his left shoulder when he said this. I thought they were over at first, but if they were, they would have fired you the second that they suspected you of stealing from them, Shadow added. No, they're definitely not over, I said. Well, then you need to get your shit sorted out with them, Chance said. Well, that is made all the more difficult by not knowing what this shit is, I replied. Look, I feel awful about this. They attacked one of my friends at another facility, too. I don't know what they want from me. The snooping they're doing is clearly superior to the snooping that I'm doing. 
They think that I know something that I don't know. They think that I have something that I don't have. How can I stop them when I don't have what they want? What could they possibly want from me? A device of some kind, it sounds like, Shadow said. Now who's quipping? I'm telling you, there's no device. To use the boulders, you have to complete the circuit to input the passcode. I shocked myself. A thought hit me. Passively at first. It was easy to dismiss, because if it were true, then these circumstances would be too stupid to be real. More directly, I, Mike Walters, would be too stupid to exist. There couldn't be a device that you plug into either side of the circuit to input the electrical pulses corresponding to the passwords in order to use the boulder. There couldn't be. That would mean that I rigged myself up to a makeshift torture device when I could have fashioned something to do it quickly and painlessly. There's a device. Of course there's a device. One that you can put the numbers in with. The codes that Hunter was delivering were for the device. I was so used to enduring pain to progress that I did things the hard way without a second thought. I was quiet for a moment, with my head in my hands, baffled at my hasty oversight, my mind racing to recontextualize the events of that night. I showed the Flinchites the code that I had sent Ryan, and they were still sending their thugs to brutalize people. That means that they hadn't figured out how to decode them yet. They knew about the device that goes with the codes, and they were still trying to get their hands on one. Wow, maybe Ryan actually was really good at this stuff. I wonder if he could build me a device like that. I wonder where the real device is. Is it still in Tier 2? What if I go over the- Mike! Earth to Mike! Shadow was yelling at me. Sorry, sorry, I had a Dr. House moment, and I think I figured everything out in my mind, Palace. I think I know what kind of device they're talking about. The bad news is I don't have it, and never have, I said. Well, you better figure something out, Chance said, absentmindedly touching his left shoulder again. It pained me to think about why he kept doing that. They said that they would come after us again, and it didn't sound like an empty threat. I know, I said solemnly, showing him the back of my injured hand. I don't have a plan, but I will make a plan. That's not good enough. You have to tell us how you're going to fix this, Shadow said. Their faces were still stony and cruel. Whatever the Flinchites had done to them had severely rattled them. I understood the feeling. I'll, I'll pull out all the stops. I have a contact. He's not one of them, but he works in a similar field to them. He's not trustworthy, but he is resourceful. He might know who they are or what they want or how to stop them. I said. That's the best you've got, Shadow said. Unfortunately. We're outmanned and outgunned by these guys, I said. I left out that we were also outsmarted. But I'll fix it. They won't come back and hurt you, I promise. That was just a bluff. They don't have any reason to hurt you. They hurt me too. I picked up an empty plastic cup with my bad hand and showed them that I couldn't keep a grip on it for very long. Their faces softened a bit. That's not even my worst injury, I said. Not even close. Right, Mike, Chance said. I think we've gotten all we can from this talk. I'm sorry that it got to this point, but we have to protect ourselves. Steer clear of the cafeteria for a while, okay? Let us know how your plan goes, but keep your distance. If anyone asks, we don't know each other. Knowing you has made far too much trouble for me. Okay, I said solemnly. No more quipping. Unceremoniously and without further conversation, they opened the door and left my cabin. I laid down on my bed and stared at the ceiling, thinking. I didn't blame them. My reaction to being attacked by the Flinchites was much worse than that. They were hurt and scared, and they took it out on me. I was the one who accidentally dragged them into this, so I was the one responsible for making sure that they didn't get dragged in any further. 
It was horrible that I promised them that I would protect them and fix this. I didn't have the power to make that happen. If the Flinchites were going to go after people I knew, Chance and Shadow were going to be targets for a while. There wasn't anything I could do to stop them. Even if I could give the Flinchites everything that they wanted from me, I wouldn't give it to them. The central mission was too important. Every assurance I gave Chance and Shadow was a lie. I had almost forgotten that I had made plans to sneak back over the wall that night. The morning had put me in a foul mood, and for a moment I had considered canceling, but that wouldn't do anyone any good. As long as I was making forward momentum, Wobegon was still leaving me alone, so I wanted to keep that up. In addition, I had just promised Chance and Shadow that I would get to the bottom of this. I wasn't going to do that by laying on my bed in my cabin feeling sorry for myself. I had every other conceivable moment in my life to spend feeling sorry for myself, and I absolutely planned to do so. It was nice to see Edgar. At this point, he was easily the person happiest to see me on any given day, but I couldn't get out of the funk induced by my altercation with Chance and Shadow that morning. I was quiet all afternoon. Edgar was his usual self, but I could catch him stealing glances at me, trying to figure out what was going on in my head. It was a relief when he said that he didn't feel like having dinner and was just going to go home for the evening after his shift. I think we both have a case of the Mondays, I said. We both laughed. We didn't laugh because saying that you have a case of the Mondays is funny. It's not. We were laughing ironically. Like, isn't it funny that people actually say that? Wouldn't it be funny if I were actually like that? Like, do you understand? Like, when I told the joke, I wasn't just telling the joke. I was all night came. Only a couple days past the full moon, which wasn't great for hiding, but not a deal breaker. I snuck past Marissa and got into 116E. I didn't have to sneak past Marissa, but she didn't need to know everything that I knew, and that included how many times I had been into Tier 2 and when. She hadn't approached me to do more work yet, and I intended on keeping her as far away from this stuff as I could manage. While moving through her patrol route, I wondered if the Flinchites had tried to intimidate her too, and how that had gone for them. I'm sure that encounter would play out differently for them than their usual home visits. Blah blah blah, doors, passcodes, 1943522, human door for normal people, tier 2. It was brighter out that night than I wanted it to be, which meant fewer and smaller hiding places. I waited for my chance to move from 116E and made it into the shadows of the building that formerly housed the computers with the security program on them. Even through the dark, I could tell that the building was under considerable renovation. The outside of the building looked the same, but the inside looked like it had been hit by a tornado, even all of these days later. Who knows how long the bear was in there trying to get out. I'm sure it didn't limit its destruction to the cubicles either. The whole inside would have to be redone, top to bottom. And annoyingly, the computers with that security program on it would be somewhere else for the time being. From my new vantage point in the shadow of this building, I could see deeper into Tier 2 than I ever had before. It wasn't a magnificent view, it was the same sort of buildings as the ones that I had already seen, extending even further into the valley. It would be easy to get lost here without knowing which buildings were which. I had only seen a map of Tier 2 once, in the security program map tabs, but I spent much more time that night looking at the map of Tier 1. Securing a map was definitely on the to-do list. I didn't want to get deep into Tier 2 and get lost, only for my carriage to turn back into a pumpkin before I was safely back inside of 116E. Without any concrete plans or buildings that I wanted to visit, I just crouched in the shadows and waited, watching the lights from the patrol carts come and go. Tier 2 was busier, even at night, it seemed. There were more people patrolling areas, less time to run from building to building. There were a few people out at night seemingly on business, entering and exiting buildings. I didn't have any intention of breaking in somewhere tonight unless it seemed both safe and promising. I was only hoping to see something useful by chance, 
some knowledge that I could take back to scheme over. So much of espionage comes down to chance and shadow. Chance and shadow, get it? Like the dogs from Homeward Bound? I'd finally made myself fully uncomfortable crouched in the shadows behind the building, my knees old and aching like they constantly are, when by chance I finally saw something interesting. My two old friends, Hunter Jeremiah Hartley and Hunter Jeremiah Hartley, mystery and punished hunters in the flesh, were walking down the path in front of me. They strolled past, unconcerned, eyes on the path in front of them, not noticing me. They weren't on patrol. All of the patrol security used carts in Tier 2, at least from what I could tell. I could see them talking, but I was too far away to tell what they were talking about. They walked for a minute down the path, then approached a building and began to enter. I saw Mystery pull a badge out of his pocket and use it to badge into the building. The door unlocked and they stepped in. I couldn't see into the interior of the building. It was late, not quite midnight, but pretty close. What could they possibly be doing in these operational facilities this late at night? They weren't trying to hide what they were doing, they were out in the open. Still, it felt intriguing and important. Important missions happen at night, right? These aren't your typical 40-hour secret government facility employees. They were working around the clock, getting the dirty work done that needed to be done, even if it was past Mike Walter's regular bedtime. I had seen enough to satisfy me for one night. I didn't want to put myself at risk by hanging around too long. It was too bright outside. I couldn't break into the building where I saw the hunters either. I didn't have a badge and I didn't know how to get one. Also, the hunters were still in there and I didn't want to risk waiting around. I could have confronted them, but I want that to happen under much different circumstances. I would start working on stealing a badge from them in the morning. Maybe Innocent Hunter's badge would work too, assuming that he even has one. I carefully made my way back, staying safe and taking my time, staying in the shadows at every possible moment. This was a much-needed nightcap on a shitty day. I hoped that whatever information or technology I eventually gained from getting into this important-seeming building would help bring an end to these confrontations with the Flinchites. Something I could use to pay them off and get them to leave Chance and Shadow alone. Something to show that I was as capable as they are and propose an even-footed alliance. Something to scare them away once and for all. Maybe something I could use to drop a bear in their offices and see how they like it. I was feeling frisky as I entered back into 116E. I had a new lead and I was safe. What more could I ask for? I was whistling, casually, as I made my way back through the building. I walked through the warehouse, down the hallway, back to the password-protected door. I opened it and entered back into the main lobby. I pulled the door closed, making sure that the lock latched and that it was fully armed again. I turned around to leave. There was a man standing there in the dark, only a handful of feet away from me. It was Edgar, his features edulent by the moon peeking in through the window. I had never seen him look so angry. I was still wearing my balaclava. Maybe he couldn't tell that it was me?